It's great to see you today. We're talking about relationships, how to build better relationships. And today, I want to talk about friendship building, you know, how to be a good friend. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. That verse is saying that we need each other. It's more than just wanting to have friends. We actually need each other. It's an emotional need that we have. It's a physical need that we have for support. There was a survey done in America talking about what people felt like their number one emotional problem was. And the number one thing that came out was loneliness. People struggle with loneliness. There's way more single people today than there were in the years in the past. And a lot of people that are single are really lonely. Now, I've learned that getting married won't take away your loneliness. There are people that are married, and they're lonely. So that's not the solution. But, uh, and you can live a fulfilled life without ever getting married. Not everybody gets married, and they can have a great life. But you have to have that ability to build friends and have healthy friendships. And if you don't have that ability... You could be married to someone and still be lonely because friendship building affects every relationship that you're in. It's such a need to to us as people that someone could write a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People and Sell 36 Million Copies, Dale Carnegie, because it's a need. We have this. We need to be able to build friendships. We recognize that it was so important that when God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, so remember, he's in a perfect place, perfect environment, perfect relationship with God, just everything that you could ever imagine you'd want there. But it still wasn't fulfilling him because he needed people in his life. So God brought him Eve. So we need friends. We need relationships. Two are better than one. We're not designed to just be here alone. We need one another. That's why he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just stop there. Just love God. Everything's cool. Just love God. It never says that. It says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's saying you need both relationships. You need God, no doubt about it, but you need people. We need people. Real friendships don't really just accidentally happen. Now, it might be through an accident that you meet that person, but the relationship is developed, it's planned, it's cultivated, it's nurtured, it's built. One of the things is, if I want to have friends, it starts with me. I have to be friendly. I have to be friendly. In other words, I've got to be that type of person that I want. If you want friends, you want to find someone, hey, they're friendly. I want a friend. I have to be friendly myself. Why would they want to be my friend? So there's a lot of work that I have to do in my own life, um, dealing with issues in my past, so that I can be the type of person that can develop friendships with one another. This is so important, though, to teach also to our children. Don't think that your children will just automatically make friends. They can go to school. You see it. When you were in school, there was always a kid that didn't have friends. 
because it's not automatic. It's something that children have to be trained in certain ways so that they can build healthy friendships. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about friendship, and we're going to look at it to give us six things that are going to help us have the best relationships that we can have. So to develop lasting friends, number one, I must be committed. There's a commitment involved. See, we live in a society that doesn't want to commit to anything. You can't be a friend with somebody, really. It's not going to last if you're not committed. You know, you have to be committed to the people. Look at Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin. Do you read that? You can have so many acquaintances, so many people that you know, it can keep you busy enough not to ever have good friends. Because the good friend is more than, I know this person, I know that person. It's more intimate. They're the person that would show up to the hospital if you were sick. You can know a thousand people and none of them will show up to the hospital if you're sick. But your really close friends will. So you need something beyond. It can be your ruin. Many companions can be your ruin. It can ruin you from having intimate relationships, which is the second part of that verse. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's saying if you know so many people and you're so busy that you don't have time for an intimate relationship with people, you know, what good was it? What good was it? If I'm so busy doing good things with people that I don't have time to really develop my marriage, what's going to happen in my marriage? It's going to be bad. So the goal isn't about quantity. It's about quality. And it takes an investment. And there's people that you need to have close to you. And it can't just be your wife or your husband. Because what if they're the person that is sick? What if they're a person that you, that you need to take care of during a time in your life, which is likely, you know, in life, and you don't have any support from anybody else because that was the only person that you developed a solid relationship with? You need friends in your life. You probably don't need 100, because I don't know if you could develop 100 close friends, but I know that Jesus developed 12, and one of them betrayed him. So maybe 11... He had three of the 12 that were closer to him. They were like his inner circle where now and then it says he pulled the three together and it was always the same three guys. So he had three really, really close friends. The other nine were close too. But you can't handle 100 close friends, but you need a handful maybe. You know, a handful of really good friends. Look at Proverbs 18, 24. Some friendships do not last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. That's the same verse that we read before, but it's, uh, it was translated differently by a different group. Some friendships don't last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. The key word that I wanted us to see there is that use the word loyal. It takes loyalty to develop friendships, relationships. You have to be committed to the people. They need to feel that you are loyal to them. Friendships begin with a commitment. And it's hard because we're a society that we're a throwaway society, you know, our society throws away more things than any culture ever has. Most cultures don't throw things away. They just repair them and reuse them. But we throw away, we throw away, we throw away. But we do that with relationships too. You know, um, and sometimes we've created, part of the reason is we've created a culture that we're always on the move. It's common for people to move every six or seven years. 
You know, so you're here in one city, then you're over in this other city, and you're over... I mean, that happens a lot. And these type of things uh, cause people to have a friendship that they don't feel like is ever going to last anyway. So they move away, and they just forget about it and start all over. But you don't have those real people in your life. In the past, you pretty much lived your whole life in the community that you grew up in. So it's harder. So it, it's, it takes a greater effort on us to really develop strong relationships. In the New and Old Testament, they would use the word covenant. Like friends would make a covenant with one another. It's like, I don't know if this is true, but when, you, um, when I used to watch TV shows as uh, a kid, you'd see the two Native Americans and they would become blood brothers. You know, I don't know if they really did that or not or if that was just te- television. But the idea... It's sort of like the biblical thing. There's a covenant here. You know, I'm with you forever. You can rely on me. I, I can rely on you. And having those type of friends is what we need. And that's what they would do in the Bible. There was a covenant. I'm your friend. You can rely on me. You're my friend. The second thing is I must be considerate. If I want to de- develop the type of friendships I need, I have to be considerate. In Proverbs 17:9, it says, He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. He's being considerate. What he's doing is, I'm just going to kind of ignore your weaknesses. You know, uh, love covers over a multitude of sins or an offense. I'm just going to forgive you of your blunders. I make mistakes too. I'm not going to kick you when you're down. I, you know, sometimes I'm down. To be a good friend, people need to feel like you're not going to kick them when they're down. They need to feel like you're someone that would step in to lift them up. They don't need to feel like, yeah, he's my friend. When I mess up, he said, I told you so. That's the last thing you want. You're going to avoid those people. They're like the plague to you uh, because you don't feel loved by them. A friend knows your weaknesses. They know your faults. They know your failures. And they choose to love you anyway. They just choose to love you. Yeah. I've got my weaknesses, they have theirs. I'm not going to rub it in. I'm going to rub it out. That's what a friend does. It's that attitude of acceptance. Friendship is, you have that inclusive attitude. You know, you're accepting them. You're not trying to do anything that can separate. Because you know you have your faults. And you know that you need friends to be there for you when you're not 100% right. When you're stumbling, you need people to come pick you up. You don't need them to kick you when you're down. Nobody's perfect. That's what makes us have great friends is when someone's treat me nice even when I don't deserve it. That's a friend. Look at Proverbs 79. Love forgets mistakes. So the friend is just saying, you know what? Sure, he was rude to me yesterday. Sure, she was rude to me yesterday or something like that. I just forget it. I just forget it. doesn't matter. Has that ever happened to you? Where, you know, you just, they were probably having a bad day. Because they're your friend. You just love them. It doesn't matter. You love them. It says, love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. If someone nags you about every time you're doing something wrong, soon you start wondering, like, why aren't they my friend anymore? <laughs> you chase them away with nagging. Nagging never gets them on the right path. It makes them want to move away from you. Number three, I must be confidential. That means I need to be able to keep a secret. In Proverbs eleven thirteen, 
It says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person, a trustworthy man keeps a secret. If you want to be a good friend, you have to keep a secret. You know what I mean? Keep a secret. Somebody tells you something, don't blab it to other people. I was hearing, I heard about the story of this high school kid, and his girlfriend broke up with him, wrote him a letter, broke up with him, and he was devastated. You know, high school, 16, 17 years old. He shares the letter with his best friend, his high school best friend, who he thinks is his best friend, and uh, shares the letter because he was heartbroken. Like, I can't believe it. So the best friend, later on, I don't know how it happened, but he got a picture of it, and thought, oh, I've got a funny prank I'm going to put on him. So he made copies of the breakup letter and started posting them all over the high school. So when kids see like, oh, what a funny prank this will be. Needless to say that they weren't friends anymore. You know, people will do the stupidest things. You, you can't, you have to be confidential if you want to have friends. Nobody's going to want to be your friend if they can't share something with you and know that it's confidential. Proverbs 16, 28, gossips separate close friends. The quickest way for me to kill a friendship is to not be confidential. They share something, and then I spread it to everybody else. A good friend is confidential. You know, you don't have this burning desire to blab it. You, you want to, okay, that might hurt their feelings if somebody else heard that. So I'm going to, you know, you keep it. You don't, you don't share this stuff with other people. Also, if I want to be a good friend, I must be candid. You know, it's bad, it, uh, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Remember how I said you accept the person just as they are? You know, two points ago, you accept them. But that doesn't mean that on a personal one-on-one level, you can't be honest with them and guide them and show them love and, and uh, lead them in the right direction. A friend is somebody that if you ask them, hey, tell me the honest truth. How did it go? Your friend is the person that you know that they'll tell you the truth. You know, because you need that. You need that. You need sometimes in certain situations, you know, you don't want to ask the person that you know is going to make you feel good. Because you really are trying to figure out, you know, because most people just want to encourage and build you up. But sometimes you need to ask someone, how did it really go? Because if somebody doesn't tell you the truth, how can you correct it? Your real friend is that person that when you ask them, they'll tell you. They'll tell you. Not in a mean way or anything, but they understand where you're coming from. They know that your friendship is so close that they can shoot straight with you. They know that your friendship is so close that you can be honest and open and frank. But why? Because you built the friendship first. I'm going to tell you something. When you try to be frank with people before you've built the relationship, before you have a friendship, it does not work. Does not, because it's uninvited. It's uninvited. No one's going to see that as you loving and caring for them. They're going to see you as a negative critic, putting them down. It doesn't matter your heart. You can be coming from the best heart in the world, but it will not be received that way. So what happens is you build the friendship, and then through the, the, the trust is built. I trust you. You trust me. We can talk. But if the friendship isn't developed, there's no trust built. And you actually will become people's enemies, even if your heart's to do good. That's why, don't be proud about being frank. Proud about being, be proud about being loving. And when you have a love relationship, then you can be frank with them because they trust you. You trust them. 
But before I start being uh, candid with somebody else and frank with them, they have to trust that I'm someone that they can tell the truth to. I have no business trying to straighten you out in a sense when you know that if you try to straighten me out, I cut you down and I don't listen. I've got to be the person that the other person could tell I can receive it because otherwise I don't have any business. But if you're a good friend, I've heard people say, that's my friend and I know that they're messing up their life, but really, it's none of my business. If you're really their friend, it's your business. If you're really their friend, it's your business. If it's none of your business, it's because you're not really their friend yet. You haven't become close enough to them that you can open up. But if they're really your friend, it is your business. And a real friend will come up to you if you're messing up your life and try to say, hey, don't do this. You know, that's going to ruin your marriage. You're going to regret this for the rest of your life. I know what you're thinking now. Don't do this. You're going to chase, you're going to chase your children away. What you're doing is going to put such a gap between you and your teenage son, if you do it that way, that you're going to lose him. What are you doing? You're going to lose him. You make it your business because of love for that person. They receive it because they already feel loved by you. Because they already have that relationship and they already feel loved by you. That's what gives you the permission to speak. But if you don't build that love relationship with them and try to uh, straighten them out, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to say it's none of your business because you're really not their friend, not the type of friendship that we're talking about that we all need. You're a good acquaintance. You may be getting there, but you're not the friend until you can be honest with each other. Proverbs 24, 26 says, an honest answer is the sign of a true friendship. And that's what I mean. They say, oh, I'm his friend. But I'm saying in a sense like, but is it a true friendship? You say you're her friend, but is it a true friendship? Then they say, what's a real friendship? What's a real, real true? Well, a real friendship is they'll be honest with you. They can give you an honest answer, and it might even hurt your feelings, but they're your real friend, so they can do it. Oh, they, we don't do that. Okay, so you're saying it's not a true friendship. Because there is a difference between a friend and a true friendship. The difference is honest answers. A true friendship, you can level with them. Even though it might be something that's uncomfortable for them to hear, they can level with you, even though it's something that's uncomfortable for you to hear because the relationship is true. There's three rules on how to be candid with friends. Compliment in public, but correct in private. Never correct them on, uh, publicly. Never correct them on social media. Never. You build enemies, okay? Because you're shaming them in front of everybody. Okay, you want a healthy marriage? There might be something going on you compliment your spouse in public. But privately, you correct it. You understand? You have a healthy friendship, you compliment your friends in public. But privately, you correct it. But once you start publicly, you know, shaming them, you're not going to have a friend. You're going to lose it. There's no way that that's going to be for your good or their good. Next one is never rebuke a friend until you've proven that you're open to rebuke from them. Never do it until first they know that they can come to you about things, which I've already talked about that. You know, uh, you've built a real friendship first. Next, correct them when they are up, not when they are down. 
Sometimes you're correcting someone, and it's not that what you're saying is wrong. It's the timing. You know, the timing has everything to do it. Like when they're up, not when they're down. You don't want to correct somebody when, like, I'm exhausted. I've had a horrible day, you know, at work. I'm just exhausted. I come home, and I, and I have a little bit of a headache, and I just want to take a shower, eat something, and relax, maybe watch a little bit of TV and just go to bed. I'm just exhausted. And then you pick that, oh, here's my opportunity to talk to them. No, that's not your opportunity. Timing is everything. If they come at the wrong timing, they could be 100% great in what they're saying, but the wrong timing ruins it. We've all experienced that. So timing is everything. I'm about to walk out, or he or she's about to walk out on the way to work. They, they leave to go to work. They leave in two minutes, and then you bring it up. They leave in five, 10 minutes, and you bring it up. Wrong timing. Wrong timing. Some people say, well, I can't find the timing. He's never available. He's never, she's never available. There's always going to be a time that you can do it. It's about patience. I've got to put my patience above my desire to correct them. If I'm correcting them out of love, I'll just be patient. I might have to wait till Saturday when we sleep in, we go out to breakfast together and talk about it then. But there's a right timing and a wrong timing. And you can't do it when they're tired, when they're beat down, when they're feeling sick, when they're late to an appointment. You've got to get it at the, at the right timing. Look at Proverbs 27, 9. The pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. People will receive your counsel. It's a pleasant thing to hear it in the right time. It's a pleasant thing. People generally want to be better. It's always hard to hear correction. You know, it's always hard to hear correction. But deep in our hearts, we want to get better. I don't know people that are saying, Jimmy, my desire is to stay a rotten person. No, nobody says that. My desire is to get better. We, we really want to get better. And it can be pleasant when it's coming from a friend who's earnest, but they're a friend. It's about love, showing it in a loving way. Do you have anybody in your life that can shoot straight with you? That you, that when I say that they can shoot straight with you, I'm not saying, do you have somebody in your life that shoots straight with you? You might say, yeah, I have three people that shoot straight with me. I can't stand them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, do you have anybody in your life that can shoot straight with you? They tell you, well, you know, like that movie, the good, the bad, and the ugly. They tell you the whole thing, and you're willing to accept it. You've made a commitment in your heart. I trust this person, and they can tell me the whole truth, and it kills me to hear it, but I trust them. I know that they're looking out for my best interest. If you don't have somebody that does that to you, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Your life is guaranteed not to get better. You will stay at the level that you're at. If I act like a 17-year-old when I'm 17, that's okay. If I act like a 17-year-old and I'm 37, there's something wrong, right? There's something wrong. That happens to people because they're not teachable. They're not willing to let people in to correct them. They're so defensive to protect themselves that they will stay at the state that they're in and they'll never get a better life 
and they'll blame everybody else, but it's them. You have to be willing to, to receive it. You're in trouble if you don't have people that can talk to you. Number five, I must be constructive. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. A real friend is somebody that builds you up. They're sharpening you. They're stimulating your growth. The real friend is somebody that's trying to bring out the best in you. Like they're encouraging you. They believe in you. You can do it. You can do it. The world is already demotivating, right? It's hard to believe that I can go do something. But when you're surrounded by people that say, you can do it, you can do it, it helps. It helps. I like to bring out coaching things that happen. But I try to have a really positive room. But on Friday, I let the varsity guys go out running, and we have key leaders that take them out running. And usually running days in the past have been, you know, it's not, it's not the most fun day for them because they'd rather be wrestling and stuff. But when the kids came in, I, I was asking a lot of kids, how was it? How was it? Was it good? Was it? And the kids had a great time. They were so exhausted. They were all sore. My, uh, my younger son, he's still sore. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but I said, how was it? Now all of them said, it was great. It was great. Now, what's great about running up hills and stuff like this? Here's what it was. The captains that I had, they were so encouraging. Some of the people that struggle because they're maybe not quite as good shape as that, everybody was cheering them on the way up. Not cheering them, making fun of them. They were cheering them on the way up. Some of the guys were so exhausted that we were going to do some wrestling afterwards, and some of them worked so hard that they couldn't do the wrestling afterwards. And what, what made you work so hard? Well, I, I, it was so exciting. Everybody was cheering us on, so I just kept going. And, I, and they pooped out, you know, so they couldn't uh, wrestle afterwards. But I like that. You don't get the best from people by demoralizing them. You get the best from people by cheering them on. You can do it. You can do it. And people said, one kid even hurt himself a bit, which we didn't want that, because he was trying so hard because of the positive atmosphere. Made him go even, okay, I'm going to try one more, when he probably shouldn't have. Because he felt so inspired that people would cheer him on. And, uh, you know, I don't want kids to get hurt. But at the same time, I was really proud of him and I was proud of the team. Because that let me know that the positive atmosphere that I'm doing in the room really is the way they think. It's really transferring over to them. You want that type of environment. You want things to be positive. You don't want it to be negative. There's enough critical criticism in the world already. You want someone that's going to lift you up, not pull you down. In Proverbs 12, 26, it says, A righteous man chooses his companions carefully. A righteous man, that means a right standing with God. A man or a person, it means, that's like following God, chooses his companions carefully. Why would he do that? It doesn't say he doesn't love, we love everybody, right? Because if you, you know, God wants you to love everybody. But it doesn't mean that your companions are just anybody. You love everybody, but you've got to move with the movers. You, you've got to surround yourself from, with the type of people of where you want to be. You become like your friends. If you surround yourself with people that are gang members, you're probably going to be a gang member. You know what I mean? If you surround uh, uh, yourself with people that are uh, using bad language all the time, before you know it, you're using bad language. 
even if it's not a part of your life. I'm just telling you, the people you surround yourself with, that's what you become like. So you decide, what kind of person do I want to be? The people that are around me, is that how they are? If, if they're not that way, you're probably not going to be the person that you want to be. And it's with anything. You know, um, if you want to be the best that you can be at math, you probably need to hang around with people that are good at math because that's how you're going to learn from them. You're going to grow. You're not going to grow hanging around with people that can't do it. There's no support. There's no understanding. It doesn't matter what it is. You've got to have the right people around you. This is something that kids need to know. And it's much easier for someone to pull me down than for me to pull them up. And it's that way morally. It's much easier for someone to pull you down morally than what it is for you to pull them up. So you want to tell your kids, you know, make, make sure your closest friends are going in the same direction that you need to go in. Because you become like your friends. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad companions corrupt good character. It influences you. In the book of Proverbs, I'm not going to read your list of this, but as you read through you can read the book of Proverbs and mark these things down as you go through it. But throughout the book of Proverbs, it gives a list of 16 types of people that says don't have anything to do with these people. Why would that be in the Bible? Because it's saying this. You love everybody, right? It's not about love. But some people will ruin your life. If you know this girl and she's dating a guy that's known to beat women, wouldn't it be wise to try to influence her? Like, there are some people that you don't need in your life. You can love everybody. But there's some people. She does not need to build a relationship with this guy that beats people. You know, it's just common sense. There are some people that you don't need in your life. You love everybody, but you're careful on who your companions are. How do you know when you're a real friend? You rejoice over their victories. You know, you build people up. There are some people that when they see their friend, like, get a break or, or something goes great for them, they get jealous. Like, how does she get the good boyfriend? That was the guy I liked anyway. Why don't I ever? And they're actually jealous. They can't rejoice in something good that's happening to their friend. They internalize that a different way, and they get jealous. That's not a real friend. That's not a real friend. If you do that to people, you're not being a real friend. A real friend doesn't have secret jealousy over your successes. A real friend is excited about your successes. There are some people, I, I read stories about this, people that make it in the music industry or as actors or actresses and stuff like this, how there's some people that get so excited for them and, and like, wow, you did it. But more than not, some of their closest friends get jealous. And they didn't see that coming. And they found out, Oh, now it kind of like cleared up in their mind who their real friends were. Your real friends are proud of you if you succeed. They're not jealous. They're happy for you. They don't feel like, you know, bad about it. Like, you'll be surprised. People like you a lot more if you choose to be mediocre. If you choose to be mediocre, they'll like you a lot more. Because then... They can compare themselves to you and say, hey, I'm pretty good. If you choose to be successful, there are going to be some people that don't like you. But I'm telling you, they're not your real friends. Your real friends want you to, to, to go as far as you can. They're proud of you. They're happy for you. If you're not happy for them, you're not a real friend. 
you can't, if you can't share in their success, it's not real. You want the best for people. The secret to having friends is be excited about what's happening for their good. You have so many friends, you won't know what to do with them. People want to be around people like that. When you're excited about their success, when their joy becomes your joy, when their thrill becomes your thrill, when their victory becomes your victory, you have so many friends, you can't, you know, it's, you, I can't have this many friends. You'd be the most popular guy on the planet. That's what it means to be a real friend. You're excited about them. And then number six, I must be consistent. This is probably the greatest characteristic of a true friend is dependability, especially in a world where you can't depend on people, they leave you and this type of thing, that you're dependable. Look at Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. That means they're dependable. A friend sees you through when the world sees that you're through. A friend walks in when everybody else is walking out. They're dependable. If you want to be a great friend, be the most dependable person that you can. A friend doesn't leave you on the sidelines. They stick with you, even if it might affect their reputation to stick with you. The real friend sticks with you. A friend loves at all times. Circle all. A great story of this is David and Jonathan. If there's any two people in the Bible that should have been jealous, not that anybody should, but if there's any two people that should have been jealous of each other, it's David and Jonathan. Saul is the king. Jonathan is the son. Jonathan is the next person to be king. God tells David, you're going to be the next king. Jonathan knows. And then Jonathan agrees. If he's going to be king, I'm fine. Now, come on. If you're the next king in line, and God says, that guy's going to be a king, wouldn't most people get jealous? No, 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 no. It's my turn. It's not him. They were such good friends before that point. They were so committed. All these same traits that you see they have for one another. And Jonathan loved David so much. David loved Jonathan so much that neither of them would care who became king. Neither of them would care. If Jonathan became king, I'd follow him. If David became king, I'd follow him. They were real friends. There's not even a hint of jealousy in their relationship because they were practicing these same things that we're talking about today. Most people don't have close friends. And yet we see in the Bible, Jesus had close friends. Paul had close friends. So apparently the most spiritual people that you can find have them. But what happens is we get so busy taking care of life that we don't develop them. And I'm not saying that life isn't hard, but the real reason is I don't think, and I'm, I'm specifically talking to men. Women tend to have more friends than men do. But we get so busy that it's hard. It really is. It, it's, it's, you know, we're trying to uh, take care of the family. We're, t- we're working. And it's really hard to develop good friends. But I think it's essential for our health. There's all different types of relationships. You have acquaintances, you know, people that you send a Christmas card to. You have companions, so it's the people that you work with. And sometimes we call these people our friends. But, you know, remember the friend is someone that is invested in you and you're invested in them. And we need to have a clear picture of what that is. And we want to develop friends like this. I think of it like this. If it was so important 
You know, Jesus, he goes to Gethsemane and he takes his three closest friends with him because he knows he's going to go to the cross. If it was so important that Jesus had friends and he's God coming to earth as a man and he needs friends, I probably need friends. I probably need friends. So I know if he needed them, I need them. My question is, not how many friends do you have? That's the wrong question, but how are you being a friend to others? That's the question you want to ask. How am I being a friend to others? Because if you deal with that one, friendship will come. It will just be automatic. How am I being a friend to others? If you do that, uh, you'll have the best friendships that you can have. They did a survey, and they were asking people, what got you involved in church? How did you end up going to church or coming to Christ and that type of thing? And over 90% of them said people invited them. Most people come because a friend brought them. Most people come to Christ because a friend or a relative brought them. There's something about inviting people, and that's a good example for us. I came because somebody invited me. Maybe I should invite other people. When you look at these six characteristics, they fit Jesus and his personality. As you study through Jesus and his life, he did the same six type of things. You build a relationship with people, the healthiest friendships, by treating people like Jesus would treat them. You can't treat anybody better than that. Treat people, that's the goal. I want to treat people like Jesus would treat people. I want to encourage you to build the best friends you can, and I want to encourage you to try to build friends here, here within the church body. There's something about that because one thing that we have in common is we're walking in the same direction. We're shooting for the same goal, and you have a team of people here. We're a family, and I think it's going to be important for your life. We know it's about loving God, loving our neighbor. Friendship is the most important thing. It doesn't matter how much I've accomplished it doesn't matter how much money I make. For the end of my life, if I don't have healthy relationships, I'm probably going to end my life a very sad person. Because the relationships are everything. If I made a lot of money, but my wife leaves me, or my kids don't want anything to do with me, because I wasn't building relationships with them, I think I'd be miserable. And all the good money I made, I would look back and say it was, worth, it was worthless to me. It wouldn't matter. But I could struggle financially my whole life. But if I have a great marriage and great kids and great friends, you're going to be pretty happy. Life is going to be good. So it's it's the most important thing that I can think of that we need. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I ask that you pray this along with me, any part of it that relates to you and you feel like is your words as well to God. And I want to ask us to make a commitment to really do everything we can to build the best relationships that we can have. With that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that's so relevant to our our real lives. We know that it is a part of your plan that we be friendly, that we have friends, that we be a friend to others. Lord, help us to take these characteristics of what a true friend is and help us to demonstrate this to others around us. And we know by doing that, we will have the healthiest relationships we can have, the healthiest marriages, Lord, the healthiest families. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is clear and wanting to give us the best life possible. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.